Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Glad to be in church. Glad that you're here. Amen. God is going to help us and bless us in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Ecclesiastes. We're going to the penmanship of the wisest man of all times, and that would be Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse number 4. The Bible says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Now Solomon is way too wise to be telling us to just... Forget about anything and just step out on the thin veil of nothing. Solomon is not that kind of man, not that kind of writer. And so he is not asking us to just follow blindly and to step into oblivion. But Solomon has given us some wise words of instruction that if we observe the wind, there'll never be a perfect day. And if we regard the clouds, there'll never be an opportune time. Amen. So tonight, with the help of the Lord, I want to speak to you from this thought. Don't trust the wind. Don't trust the wind. And you can be seated. What a privilege to be in God's wonderful house with you fine people tonight. In the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew, we find a very familiar story. A story of Jesus coming to the disciples in the storm. And the thing that makes this story so unique is the fact that Jesus came to them walking on the water. Now, many times we refer to this as the story of Jesus walking on the water. But I I believe, of course, there's way more to it than that. I believe that among many things that we could speak about here tonight, we can find a man also at the center of this story that was about to exercise his faith beyond the norm. It's a simple story that has been preached on countless times. I would have no idea how many times I myself have referred to this particular passage of Scripture. But it's a story that summarizes and capsulizes for us a man, a single man, that stepped clearly out of his comfort zone. What happened to him during that time of transition is something wonderful for us to consider because I believe there are multiple truths for all of us. For several weeks, and I don't want to belabor the point, but it is very, very obvious, but for several weeks we have been pressed out of our comfort zone, all of us. And it's not just been churches. You think about all of the business that, businesses that have had to change their approach to their, their particular business and how they are dealing with and how they are associating with their customer base. But all of us as a nation and of course around the world have been pressed out of our comfort zone and forced into uncharted waters. 
And in these seasons of uncertainty, in these seasons of uncertain moments, these seasons can bring with them their own set or their own natural temptations. Now, no one would doubt that we are in and living in an unusual hour. Not only have we been faced with a, a global pandemic, but we are also watching before our very eyes, our nation come under attack by the spirit of anarchy. It doesn't seem like America, does it? It truly doesn't seem like America. So if we are to consider the backdrop of all things considered, there are a lot of things that are bidding for our attention and there are a lot of things that are chipping away at our faith. However, I believe that what we decide that we're going to focus on and what we decide that we're going to put our trust in, that will determine our success in the Spirit of the Lord. I think there are some things that I would like for us to consider. I don't think that we would take the time this evening nor would have the ability to talk about every facet of this. But I do want to consider a few things that certainly relate to our present condition in the world and as a church. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that as these men boarded this vessel, that they were boarding a vessel that was seaworthy. They weren't taking a chance on getting from one side to the other. These men knew what they were doing, and, and boats were certainly uh, not a unique means of travel. But they, they were boarding something they knew would get them from point A to point B. The vessel that they boarded was something that was designed to withstand the storms which go hand in hand with sea travel. Not only were they in a safe place, but they were among safe people. They were among friends, people that could encourage them and protect them. They sat in a boat, and in that boat they were in a storm. So we can imagine their dismay when they look and see that Jesus is walking to them on the water. Now, at first, if you know the story, they thought this was a spirit. They perceived it to be something else, unaware that it was, that it was Jesus. And because of that, they were rightfully afraid. But when they realized who it was that was coming to them on top of their peril, with that knowledge, their natural fears were calmed. Now, I believe that Jesus was giving, among other things, I believe that the Lord was giving them an object lesson. And out of this group, there was one man that would get the totality of this message. He would pull it into his life, and he would pull it into existence enough that we can talk about it tonight all these years later. Jesus was sending a message, a message to the church, if you please, that I will not be confined to just one thing. And I will not be confined to just one idea of who I am or what we are to do when we come together. I'm not going to be put in the box that our humanity sometimes would like him to be put in or placed in. But if we're going to follow the will of God, I figured this out about the Lord. I hadn't figured a lot of things out, but I figured this much out about the Lord. If you're going to follow him sooner or later, he's going to press you out of your comfort zone. God is going to take you into some uncharted waters. He won't leave us to our own will or our own design. And so in a moment of great faith, a man of faith, Simon Peter, decided that he was willing to step out of the boat. And when Jesus saw that faith and recognized that faith, he said, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. And he bid him come. He said, come. And, and, and Simon Peter did something about that. 
he stepped out of the boat and into the storm. And there is no doubt in my mind that that one single act violated everything that he had ever been taught and everything that he knew to be a reality, not just something we suppose. But at the word of Jesus, nonetheless, he stepped out. In an instant, Simon Peter found himself in a place that he had never been before. I believe I'm speaking to people tonight that have found yourself in a place you have never been before. As a matter of fact, I may be speaking to you while you reside at that place where you have never been before. Not only had he left the confines of the boat, not only had he left the safety of that vessel, but he had also left the confines of popular opinion. I am firmly of the opinion that even among these leaders, there may have been someone in that boat that was saying, where are you going and what do you think you're doing? Have you lost your mind? There had to be someone even in that spiritual group of men that thought somehow Simon Peter had just lost sense for and the sense of danger for just a moment and he moved with great faith into the very elements that the Lord he served had wrestled into control and had conquered. He was walking on the water. I think you know the story, but he wasn't walking in an ideal setting. This wasn't calm water. Water's water, but this wasn't calm water. But he clearly stepped into the sea, an ocean of waves driven by fierce winds. And yet when he called him, even in this setting and in these circumstances, he said, I am willing to come. He's about to experience something that he had never experienced before. He's moving into a realm of the Spirit that those in the boat could not understand. I tell you today that there will be people that cannot make the whole journey with you. Amen. When God, I'm not talking about being out here on our own, but I'm telling you that when Abraham took Isaac and was walking in absolute obedience to the Lord, when they got to a certain point, it was there that Abraham said, had to say to those that were with him, you're going to have to abide here. I and the lad are going to go yonder. We're going to worship, but we're coming again. There are some people that cannot make the entire journey with you. We have to put our trust and our faith and our confidence in God. Amen. But as long as Simon Peter's eyes was on the one that bid him to come, there was one thing for sure. He was in the safest place he could ever be in. As long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, he was all right. We know according to the story that something did distract him. Something took his eyes off the thing. I believe the most obvious thing in this story, of course, would be the storm. The scripture even talks about that when he saw the winds themselves boisterous. But without warning, when that happened to him in his flesh, fear took the place of faith. And fear can take the place of faith in all of our lives. And it can happen faster than you can blink your eye. That fear can move in and faith move out. And in that moment of fear and faithlessness, he saw, according to the scripture, the winds boisterous. And when he took his eyes off the master of the storm and he put his eyes onto the storm, it was the storm itself that robbed him of his faith, robbed him of his miracle, and he began to sink. 
Amen. I believe the Lord could have told him something that you and I still need to hear this afternoon. And that is this, that if you're going to follow me into uncharted waters, you are not going to be able to trust in the wind. And you're not going to be able to just place your confidence in the clouds. But somewhere along the line, you're going to have to put your trust and your confidence in me. We are at least closely associated enough, all of us, to farming communities, even if you're not a farmer yourself, to know that there is an ideal time to plant. There are certain days, certain seasons, that it is the ideal time, the ideal season to plant. We know, of course, that there would be ideal conditions in which we could plant a seed if we're going to harvest a bumper crop. But if a farmer is going to ever have a hope of putting something in the barn, he cannot wait until everything is perfect. I believe there are days that farmers are planting seed into the ground when everything in them is telling them this is the wrong thing to do. This is the driest season we've ever been in or this is the wettest season that we've ever experienced But you see, they understand one thing, that if we just watch the wind and if we just observe the clouds, there will never be a day of harvest. Amen. At some point, we have to push fear aside and say, I'm going to hold on to the unchanging hand of God and I'm stepping into the promises that God has made me. And so if we're going to move into a new realm of the Spirit, then we cannot afford to listen to critics. I'm thankful for voices in my life. I'm thankful for voices in my life that have veto power. The most dangerous thing you could ever do for yourself is to surround yourself with a bunch of people that only know how to say yes. Amen. But at the same time, you don't want to just surround yourself with cynics and critics and people that don't believe anything wonderful could ever happen in your life. It's never happened in their life, so why would it happen in anybody else's life? And so we're going to have to distance ourselves from that. We do need voices of direction. We do need voices of clarity. We do need people that can speak into our life. And I'm going to say it one more time. We need people that have veto power in our life. Amen. I I would say for us as a nation and certainly for us as a church that we have the church at large. I'm not just speaking to us, but I'm certainly not excluding us as a local church. But we have safely lived inside four walls for decades. We comfort one another. We lift one another up. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. While we watch storms rage on the outside in the lives of others, often shaking our head at the plight of our world. But you see, we were in a comfort zone because what was wrong was somewhere else. And what was going on was in somebody else's life. It was happening on their doorstep and not on our doorstep. I remember the first time that I went out after the safer at home restrictions had been lifted to a degree. I went to pick us up a few things at the grocery store, a store that we often use and shop. And I remember how odd it seemed. Just a a moment of uh, clarity. We probably all experienced this to a degree But I remember how odd it seemed to look around and see almost everyone, including me, wearing a mask. Now, we've seen other people wear a mask. We've seen that in other countries, right? 
We've seen that on the news and we've seen that on social media. We've seen those pictures and articles and, and we think, well, how sad. But all of a sudden, it's us. It's here. I remember walking in that grocery store, and this was early on, and I can remember walking in that grocery store and seeing shelves that were bare, not just running low. And there was a palatable feeling in the air. And I don't mean a feeling of panic and surge. No one was running no one was doing anything foolish, really. No one was doing anything out of order. But I believe the, the compilation of all of that set a sense of fear and uncertainty in all of our hearts. And maybe we all have felt that to a degree, but it was a very strange thing. I can remember seeing shells that were bare, and, and, and some of those bare shells were, were bare of the oddest items. I know where you're going, but that's not where I am. I couldn't connect the dot. I couldn't make any sense of why, why are we out of macaroni? It was just the strangest things, the feeling of uncertainty, how odd we, we were seeing this. And, and it was at home. It was on our own turf. It was on our, in our own world, in our own community. It was our own that was being affected by this being safe in our world previously and being safe in the church previously. I'm afraid created a false comfort zone that everything is all right. And if I need anything, I, I've got the means in my pocket or I've got the means in my bank account. I've got the wherewithal to just run down and get it. And there's no worry about that because there's just stockpiles of it everywhere. But we found out in a moment of time that it's not necessarily that accurate. Amen. I'm afraid that some had the idea that we can do life with or without God. That we can come to church, we can take it, or we can leave it. I will be there if nothing gets in my way. Nothing gets in my way. I will be there if I don't have to step over one cobblestone. I'll be there if I don't have to overcome one wrinkle. I'll be there. But in a moment of time, we realized that we just weren't allowed to come when we felt like it. We weren't allowed to be together just because we felt like it. We felt safe and we felt comfortable because we were doing what we have always done. But imagine our surprise. Whenever we looked up and realized that God had a change of plans and a different order and we saw Jesus walking outside of the boat and in the storm and we saw him moving outside the four walls and moving beyond just a corporate service on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever the designated night may be. And I'm not discounting that. As a matter of fact, it went up in value exponentially. Amen. I believe the Lord was speaking to the church and saying, if you want to be in my will, you're going to have to figure out how to get out of the boat from time to time and come where the storm is raging and go where the waves and the tempests are blowing. We're going to have to step outside where we are comfortable and step into where God is leading us. 
And I will tell you that in, in the midst of this storm, in the midst of all of this, we are seeing God do some wonderful things. Right here in our own church family, we have seen miracles of what God has worked out in the lives of people. Amen. Just in the midst of all of this chaos, the Spirit of the Lord. We're upset. Our lives are upended. But the Spirit of the Lord is moving and His hand is at work. Hallelujah. Amen. We're seeing people spiritually grow in the Lord. We're seeing people step out and allowing God to use them in different ways. And as a church, I believe that we are poised at a very critical and a very important crossroads, a time of decision. While we cannot afford to ignore the facts that we're faced with, I believe that we must be very careful in what we choose to focus on. I believe there are many well-meaning people that, that, uh, that do not want to stretch their faith too far. And they do not want somebody to preach them or pray them out of their comfort zone. Amen. But sometimes when people are truly moved on by the Lord, you know, others sit back. Now, I've been doing this a long time, so I know what I'm talking about. When others feel God doing something in their life, a stirring in their heart, there are some that sit back and fold their arms and say, well, we'll just see how long this lasts. We'll just see how long this lasts. Amen. Some would think that God could never do something here. Amen. Or that God would be limited to what he can do here. Or God could not do anything with me. Or God at best would be limited in what he can do with me. But can I tell you that God is not limited where he can move. And God is not limited by what he can move. And God is not limited by what he can and who he can move on and move in. Amen. No doubt there are some that would be much more comfortable if we would all just stay in the boat. Just don't rock anything. Just leave everything the same. Don't press us to pray. Don't preach, don't, don't preach to the point that we are stirred or moved. But I say that we must be preached out of our comfort zones. And we must pray ourselves out of our comfort zones. You know, there's some people that ascribe to the notion if you just leave the devil alone, he'll leave you alone. You know, if we start praying, the devil's going to get all stirred up. Let me tell you, he roams to and fro every day. He is the accuser of the brethren, not just every now and then. Not in those moments we felt like fasting or in those moments we felt like praying or those moments that we felt like I'm going to dedicate more of myself to the Lord. But every day he is the accuser of the brethren. Every day is a roaring lion. Every day he is seeking not who he may frustrate. He's not seeking who may he may discomfort. He's not seeking somebody that he can just interrupt their world. He's seeking somebody to devour. Amen. That's why the Lord said, Simon, I have prayed for you. Amen. Because Satan Satan is desiring to sift you as sweet, can I tell you, tonight. Amen. We cannot trust in the wind. We cannot say, well, the clouds are blowing that way, and that's what we ought to do. But we've got to put our faith and our trust and our confidence in the hand of God and say, Lord, wherever you lead me, that is where I will follow. And God, wherever you point and wherever the cloud of your spirit moves, that is the direction in which I will walk. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I love you today. I love you today. I love you today. We must move forward in faith and allow God to bring fruition, bring to fruition those things that he has promised in our lives. And the choice is ours. 
We can keep our eye on the clouds. We can trust the wind. We can listen to the doubters. Or we can keep looking at Jesus who has called us here to begin with. I stand in this pulpit tonight to tell you again, along with the Apostle Paul, who said, I am looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He called us. We didn't come here on our own. He called us. And if God started this, then he will finish this. And so we can't allow the winds and the clouds and the things of this world to distract us because if we do, they will ultimately destroy us. Now that doesn't mean that we're oblivious to storms or we're even oblivious to their potential. But it means that our faith is firmly fixed in the one who called us to begin with. He is the master of the storm. The waves have to bow down and, and when his word speaks, everything has to cease. The disciples in Mark 5, or the disciples in Mark 4 rather, whenever Jesus spoke to the winds and the waves and said, Peace be still, those who knew him best said among themselves, What manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. Now, they had watched him perform mighty miracles. Death had to give up to life. Sickness had to give up to healing. Infirmity had to give up to wholeness. And yet, they said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. I will tell you tonight that the Lord has brought us this far, and he didn't bring us this far to leave us. So we can't just put our eyes on the storm. We've got to put our eyes on him. And it's, it's just human nature to believe a negative report. <laughs> you may be seated. But it is just human nature to believe a negative report. In 2 Kings 20, I won't read all of this, but in the first 10 verses, um, we read an interesting story about a man by the name of Hezekiah. According to this passage, he was very sick. The Bible says he was sick unto death. And so the Lord sends Isaiah to him. And Isaiah tells him, according to the word of the Lord, that you need to get your house in order. Because he said, you're going to die and not live. That's what the Lord told him. In an instant. The Bible says that he turned his head to the wall, began to pray and weep. <laughs> he believed it. It's your house. You're going to die, and you're not going to live. So he starts praying, and I'm assuming after Isaiah walks out, he starts praying and turns his face to the wall, starts praying and, and weeping. Isaiah is just barely a few paces away from the front door, and the Lord speaks to him and said, I need you to go back because I've heard the prayer of Hezekiah, and I'm going to heal him. So Isaiah goes back, knocks on the door. And he said, the Lord told me to tell you that you're not going to die. You're going to live. As a matter of fact, you're going to live 15 more years. Pretty specific. And Hezekiah says, well, what's the sign? I need a sign. I need proof. I, I need cotton to be wet or I need cotton to be dry. <laughs> Some of you Bible thumpers will get that. I need a sign. I need a sign from the Lord. I, I mean, I need some proof here. I mean, the Lord said, you're going to die, and he just started crying. 
He's making funeral plans. The Lord says, you're going to live. Well, I've got to have, I mean, the Lord has got to send me some kind of sign. And God, in his mercy, moves on Isaiah. And Isaiah says, well, would you rather the sundial go ahead 10 degrees? Or He got to choose his sign. <laughs> but here's the question. Why is it that he was told he was going to die? He just bought it. And when something good is going to happen to you, I'm going to need some living proof. And I'm going to tell you that it was very specific, the sign that he asked for. I need you to give me a sign. And so, you know, we're all kind of grinning because we find ourselves in that story, don't we? We hear a bad report sometimes and we receive it without question. Did you know? No, I didn't know. And the next news we know, we're calling someone or now posting it somewhere and... (laughs) Did you know? And you hear something good, and we're like, well, i got to check into that. We need to fact check this. We hear about somebody backsliding, never think anything about it, and somebody gives a praise report of somebody getting the Holy Ghost. We wonder if they counted right. Amen. I'm almost asking musicians to come. But it's the truth. It is that human nature. I've watched people for years hear of a, a bad report going on somewhere else and they just believe everything they hear and buy into everything they have that, they, that, they, that comes down the pike. Other times hear good reports and I, I don't know, we're going to we're gonna have to flesh this out. We're going to vet this. Well, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. That is just a natural inclination to look for the negative things. But I'm asking God every day, Lord, help me to help my eyes to see what I need to be seeing and my my mind to think on what I should be thinking because ultimately we're going to see what we're looking for. Years ago, I heard an old nursery rhyme <clears throat> that spoke about a cat uh, that went to London to see the queen. And so when the, question, when the cat was later questioned of what she saw while she was in London to visit the queen, this was her reply. All I saw was a mouse under the queen's chair. In the midst of royalty, (laughs) with the smell of red carpets and purple linens and luxury on every side, the only thing the little cat saw was a mouse under the queen's chair because that was the nature of the cat, and that's what the cat was looking for. Amen. Somebody else said, man, I, you'll just never believe. You'll just never understand. You'll never, uh, you'll never be able to comprehend all the majesty and the feeling and the royalty. But the cat only said, I saw a mouse under the queen's chair. Can I tell you today, amen, that we got to be very, very careful in this season of what can happen to our faith. Amen. Lord, don't let me just keep my eyes fixed to the newscast. Amen. I'm not saying that we should be ignorant of what's going on in our world, but Lord, don't let me just warm my hand and my heart around what everybody else is telling me, but I want to turn myself toward you. I want to turn myself toward, amen, your voice, and I want to turn myself toward your will. Can I tell you today that in the midst of everything that's going on around us in a virus, in the midst of chaos in our country, can I tell you that the people, amen, of this world are still receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. People are still receiving a healing. Amen. People are still being delivered of sin. People are still finding direction and hope in the house of God and in the presence of God. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I beg you this evening. 
I beg you this evening with every fiber of my soul, don't trust the wind. Don't trust the wind. Don't trust the wind. Praise God. Oh, God, we're going to put our trust in you. You've never failed us, God. You've never failed us, God. You've never failed us, God. You have never failed us. Amen. So I say, Lord, help me to get my eyes focused on those things that are right. Amen. Yes, there is turmoil in our world. And yes, there is cause for concern. And yes, there is reason and and cause for caution. But we need to pray and ask God, help me to keep my eyes fixed on you. Amen. Help me to keep my eyes fixed on you. I will ask our musicians to come. I want to affirm to you one more time that you're never going to hear, I hope, as long as I stay in my right mind, anything negative, just for the sake of being negative, let me say, coming from this pulpit. I know storms are raging and I know there's adversity all around us, but I'm going to stay focused on the person that's standing in the middle of the storm. Amen. I hope you receive this in the spirit that I'm saying it in. Amen. I don't want to come up here and I just firmly believe. Amen. I'm not speaking against direct preaching, but I just firmly believe that we ought to come to leave church rather feeling better than we did when we got here. Amen. By that, we need the Spirit of God to be moving in our midst. By that, we need the presence of God to be moving in our midst. By that, I mean we need the authority and the anointing of the Lord to be felt as we sing and praise and worship unto Him. And we need the Word of God. Amen. We need it to be direct and straight and to the point in our heart. Amen. I know that the world is in a bad place, but I have not forgotten Romans 5 and 20. It says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I know that Satan is fighting the church, the church at large. But I also know this, that Paul said in church in Romans 8 and 37, he said, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I know that our enemy in the world is strong. But I also know that John said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, we don't always feel that grace abounding. We don't always feel like conquerors. And we don't always feel greater. Can I get a witness? But I still, in those moments of my life, cannot afford to Cast my trust to the wind. I've got to stay focused on him. Paul said to the Corinthian church, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. In the midst of all of the mess of the walls of Jerusalem torn down and the gates destroyed, Nehemiah stepped to the scene. He didn't say all is well. He didn't say these walls are not down as you suppose. He didn't say these gates are really standing even though they look like they're destroyed. He admitted, ye do see the distress that we are in. That's what he said. He said, but the hand of our God is upon us. 
the hand of my God specifically is upon me. Amen. We are in troubled times, but can I tell you that God's hand is still on the church? <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Paul wasn't denying adversity in 2 Corinthians 4, but he's saying we can overcome this by the power of the blood of the Lamb. And so I want to stop watching the wind and realize that I'm not a servant to that. I'm going to ask you to stand. Amen. We serve the master of the tempest. And we're never going to know he's the master of the storm if we're not in a storm. And we're never going to know he's a deliverer if we don't find ourselves needing deliverance. We'll never know that he's a way maker if we always make our own way. At some point, we're going to have to say, you know what, Lord, this is completely out of my control. And I'm just going to lean back and I'm just going to trust you. Amen. It's going to trust him. It's amazing. I read something cute. I probably won't get this right, but someone posted this the other day. And they were talking about going to a doctor whose name you can't pronounce. And a medicine that you can't pronounce. And you take that to a pharmacist you've never met. <laughs> and we pay good money and say thank you. And we walk away. All of that uncertainty. But somewhere underneath all that, there was a faith in the system. There was confidence that somebody went to school. Somebody gave their life to the study of this. So I didn't mean that we're being whimsical and foolish. What I'm saying is that our faith was attached to something beyond what we could see and understand. And you know what? Many, many, many times over, without fail, those prescribed medications do exactly what the physician said it would do. And we walk away. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.